Welcome to the Potion Podcast, your raw look at the hospitality industry, brought to you by SHC. This week's episode is proudly sponsored by Bar Green Ellington for all your restaurant and bar needs. Visit bargreen.com for the full portfolio. What has happened, Postships? Welcome back to another episode of the Postship Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, this is a really odd one because I don't usually do these late afternoons. I usually like to do the, the mid-morning for most of my industry folks out there um, hanging out, um, mainly because we're all awake, getting awake and having coffee and you can do, get a live stream in. But today, I'm doing a live stream all the way from my home country, which I don't usually do very often very, as well, um, in Australia. And I'm heading down with uh, sitting down with Sean DeFries from Open Pantry Consulting and the host of Principal Hospitality. I was on his podcast podcast a number of months ago um i'm really looking forward to this chat as i always do with all my guests um because australia has a very different dynamic of the hospitality industry and with labor shortages and the increase in minimum wage here in canada especially here in bc i've seen a lot of operators go oh this is going to end me this is going to hurt me and australia has sort of been leading the way i remember i think even when i left australia in 2006 i was getting paid 16.50 an hour to bartend back in those days and we're not even at that now in canada so um sans tipping culture we're going to get into where he came from how he started his company um and then talk about how australia is doing right now and he didn't know this was a live stream so it's always nice when i put my uh, guests in some places and, and make it feel awkward from the get-go because it always gets a way better conversation how you doing sean <laughs> Hey, Sean. Always great to meet a fellow Sean. So, you know, <laughs> half the reason I did your podcast, man. So good to be on. Thanks so much for your time, man. Like, I, I'm really curious because I, I started really thinking about it and I keep getting these these constant regurgitations of owners and operators and how things are changing for the industry. Um, mm-hmm. I really want to start with, like, how you started in the industry first, but really the end result, I want – it's funny, and I think we talked about this on your podcast, that – we went into this pandemic going, we've got to fix this industry. It's broken. And mm. I feel like this first couple of months of being out of the pandemic, everybody's <laughs> adapting this, adopting the exact same principles we were doing before the pandemic that we were saying were broken. Yeah. And then going, mm. but, but why Why aren't we getting staff? Why is this happening? Why? I'm like, because you didn't change anything. You said you were going to, but then you didn't. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm. So how did you get your start in the industry? So um, I started when I was 16 uh, as a bakes assistant for Bakes Delight. Uh, a lot of people in North America would know that as Cobbs. Um, yep. So uh, Cobbs Bread. So I, I started with them when I was 16, um, worked my way up through the ranks, bought a bakery at 21, became the youngest franchise partner in Australia for the network, um, bought a second one at 26, um, had a pretty full-on car accident uh, a year later after that and, and couldn't work in my businesses for a long period of time. Um, ended up liquidating, starting again. I actually worked in Vancouver for a short period of time in, uh, I'm going to say 2007, Sean, off the top of my head. Um, really loved that. Came back to Australia, started to work in cafes and restaurants. Um, worked for a brand called Grilled, which is really big here now. But at that point, um, only had about 10 or 12 restaurants in Australia. Mm-hmm. So they're um, quick service, gourmet burgers, um, healthy burgers. Um, stayed with them for six years uh, as a restaurant manager and area manager. Opened up a lot of venues for them, probably um, probably about twenty or thirty different venues for them in Brisbane and in Perth. If people know sort of the Australian dynamics, that's 
That's I'll, a I'll long pa- the country. It's, <laughs> it's a long way, right? So it's a bit, it's a bit like working in LA and New York. Um, and then uh, left Perth and then came to Melbourne about six years ago, decided I wanted to live and work in what is the food capital of Australia. Um, there's sort of a, there's always a bit of a argy bargy between uh, Sydney and Melbourne about who's the real food capital of Australia. Um, but came and we all here, know it's and we and we know we all know it's Brisbane. So oh, <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> they're just they're about two years behind Melbourne and Sydney. So, um, <laughs> hello to all my Brisbane friends. But um, uh, yeah, came and came and worked here. Went into quick service um, again. Back in, then, back into gourmet. Um, sourdough bread and bakeries and ran a bakery brand for about a year and then decided I wanted to do consultancy and and, and um, give more of a focus to more brands in the industry and I felt consultancy was a way to do that rather than working for one singular brand. Had a friend of a friend who was opening up a burger restaurant um, in, in the outer Melbourne and said, do you want to help? And I said, sure, I've opened up a lot of burger restaurants before. It makes sense. And that's where I sort of developed um, my consulting my consulting brand and helped a fried chicken brand come from Singapore to Australia and open up their oh. venues and and that's 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 kind of been the case. So I've, I've you know had that and then and then the podcast that happened about three years ago under a couple of different names and um, you know as you do so well, Sean as well, like just talking to people in the industry about the industry. And I think that's that's really my legacy is to make sure that I leave the industry in a better way that that I came into it. So, yeah. I, I literally did a live stream this morning with a, a kid, one of my kids who got into the Patron Perfectionist Top 30 for Canada and hit the whole wow. theme this year is leaving the industry. And so we did a whole big mental mental health live stream. Um, yes. Do you focus with your consulting business? Do you focus on QSRs and that sort of like quick, quick casual style restaurants or have you expanded out now to like the bigger full service fine dining styles? Yeah, not fine dining because I don't I don't come from it, and I don't want to. I I never want to like preach that I specialize in something I don't. Mm-hmm. So if if I decided I, if I you know came through came through that sort of culture and um, had done those hard yards as a chef or front of house person, then I would do that. But no, I usually play in. Um, we're doing some product development for a bakery brand here, um, consulting for a pizza brand and. And some feasibility studies for breweries and things like that, because I'm, you know, heavily involved in beer culture. Um, but no, that's probably probably where I don't play as yet. If I if I do get those kind of clients, and I bring on people who are specialists in that area, and we we work together on projects, which is always really fun too. Yeah. But do you think there's a this is one big thing? I I've, I've got a couple of clients right now, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Is like mm. cons- consistency builds culture, not creativity. And yes. like people, yep. and it's much bigger here in North America where we have franchise restaurants. And I think it might be a little bit different now because it's been many years since I've been in Australia. But like, I would say Coffee Club is closest thing to like a franchise yep. restaurant. Um, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. In 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 Australia, where we have like full service crazy bistros and and that sort of thing, in in, in Canada here, but the systems mm-hmm. and the the systems and the consistency that those sort of places have really yeah. need to be adopted way more for like the independent restaurants and the fine dining sector because it really is mm-hmm. the reason why they're so like there is a reason why McDonald's is so successful there's a reason why yeah. like these places are so successful and it's not about quality or anything else. it's consistency yes yeah 100% I mean you know um, I sort of grew up in franchise culture right so I knew the I knew the benefit of systems and how 
either following systems will take you to success or not following them will, mm-hmm. will slowly get you down a hill, right? So, um, and that's in a, that's in a system which you're paying to be part of that structure. So mm-hmm. when I started to work in independent venues and, and restaurants and bakeries and stuff, um, I was kind of surprised that um, a lot of them didn't have systems and processes, which they built. It was usually around, you know, um, a founder who had built a really good business from the start and then had sort of just brought in people and brought in more people. And then this is sort of how we do it. And we write stuff down and here's, a, you know, some stuff in a book and, and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't ever built out. So once they sort of got to two or three sites, especially three, like I had this, you know, three venue principle in that mm-hmm. if you get the three venues, you're either going to, you know, get your proverbials together, get your systems and processes right, get your recruitment right and grow, or you're just going to sit at three venues and then maybe that's okay. But like, if you've got an aspiration to grow, like you really need to put the foundations in place. Otherwise you're never going to do it. And I've seen that the benefit in consulting is you see um, the same challenges between brands, whether that be a cafe or a bar or, um, you know, a burger venue, like they're, they're mm-hmm. all the same. Yeah. 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 The, the old, the old recipe thing, like people think I'm pedantic about my recipes. I'm like, no, like, at, like dashes and pinches and all this sort of stuff that doesn't make sense. That doesn't work that way. Like everything's yeah. in grams. It's not like one cup of this and three cups of this and 500 grams of butter. It's like everything is measured out. Everything is weighed. And people think I'm Absolutely. really, really pedantic about it. But the, the consistency of it all, it's really where if someone can come in on a Wednesday night or a Friday night or a Saturday morning and it's the same, that's the key for it all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if you're an independent restaurant or a franchise restaurant, right? Like a customer wants consistency. There are certain things mm-hmm. and with that consistency, they will that customer will then trust you more as a brand and then they're more likely to try the new products which you've invented, which is creative mm-hmm. part of the brand or the new drink which you've got in a Thursday night special or, or something like that because they they trust you because you have been consistent with the recipe or the experience or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. Cobb's bread. I've got. We've got a Cobb's bread here in Victoria, and every they only do it seasonally. The Vegemite and cheddar rolls. Oh, seasonally. Like, <laughs> yeah, Veggie Vegemite is really hard to get. I think there's oh, a couple okay. of stores that have it, but I do believe that the BC government has now banned Vegemite from the province, and Why? they've banned they've banned all yeast or leftover yeast products from right. the market because it apparently is there's something that they don't like about it. Oh, I feel that's a conspiracy. What's wrong with that? Um, you can't even get Marmite that. and Marmite is rubbish, but oh, like yeah, I sure. used to, I and Vegemite was never cheap here. I remember getting one of those small jars for about 18 bucks, 18 oh bucks Lord. for the small. Oh yeah. It was not cheap, but like you got to have your Vegemite on your toast in the morning. Like this is the way, that's yeah. the way life works. So I think, with I think they're just trying to make. Sh- I think they're just trying to make sure that you um, that everyone just buys cinnamon scrolls, and that's all they. Yeah, that's all they buy. I'm 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 going to blame Whistler and everybody, all the Australians up on Whistler <laughs> eating all the freaking Vegemite and taking away all the all the supply. <laughs> oh dear. So so with with the pandemic, I don't really want to harp on the pandemic because we all pretty much sure. know it's the exact same. Pretty much fucking everywhere. The hospital industry yeah. was decimated. Lockdowns mm-hmm. and a lot of lack of guidance from the government. I got a lot of friends on Facebook and stuff that I've seen the same sort of complaints we get from the guys in London, the guys in Canada, the guys in the US. Um, mm. 
I really don't think there's any, and it's shocking to me because there's some countries in the world that really rely on tourism and hospitality, but I don't believe there's any government anywhere in the world that has actually done a good job at supporting the hospitality industry when we're one of the biggest industries, the biggest GDPs, like the whole shebang. And yes. Understanding, like, if the oil industry and the car in, car manufacturing industry and like the bigger manufacturing industries had gone through what the hospitality industry had gone through in the last fifteen months, they would be in billions and billions and billions of dollars funneled into those industries into those brands. Um, how yeah. is it? How has it been in Australia? Um, probably not as bad as we initially first thought, but um, you know, when when this first you know went down in March last year, April last year, like I think. Speaking with my friends in the US and and the UK and and what was happening here, like everyone was thinking thirty to forty percent closure rate, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't think we've I don't think we've definitely seen that. Probably what we've seen, I think anecdotally, is probably fifteen percent um, closure rate. And and you know worldwide, there's probably been an oversupply of venues from people that I talk to. And I think mm-hmm. it's 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 been a challenging time for everyone who's had venues for a short period of time and maybe had what's what I call, you know, me too venues, which which are very standard and and, and don't have enough depth in branding and don't have enough depth mm-hmm. in menu and differentiators between other brands. So it's been hard for them to survive. Um, the sort of brands that go the, I want to be the sort of brands that go, I want to be like that guy and I'm just gonna basically replicate that and correct. take a little bit of a success a little bit of their success and have that as my my own. Hundred percent. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get, you know, a really cool barista with tats. I'm going to get um, tan seating. <laughs> I'm going to get white walls. Um, um, you know, great imagery on the wall, uh, and I'm going to do a Nasahi bowl. Like that. That is not <laughs> inventive, right? So yeah. you need to, and it's, re- and it's, but it's really hard in, especially in the coffee space, to be, to be um, different. So you've really got to stand for something. So um, obviously, the what we call the CBD market, what what Canadians would call downtown, um, mm-hmm. is is decimated, right? So decimated. So because because twenty five percent of you know the Melbourne economy is in the in the CBD mm-hmm. in the city, um, because so many city workers have decided the flexibility of working from home has been um, fantastic for them as a as a work life balance. Um, you know, if someone isn't going into the office five days a week, but they're going in one, that's that's a big challenge for um, a quick service venue or a cafe in the CBD. Mm-hmm. So that that has been a big challenge. I think obviously out of suburban markets, out of suburban venues have performed really well. That seemed to have con- uh, has been pretty consistent, mainly because you know the flip side of someone not going into the CBD five days a week is three days a week. They might be home, right? So then mm-hmm. they're they're close to their local cafe a lot more. Like I know there's a local cafe down the road from us that we go to every single day. Um, I certainly wasn't doing that pre-pandemic. Wow. So um, so I mean that's you know that's completely changed my mindset around that. And I and what I'm starting to see, Sean, is a lot of brands who had good branding, stood for something, cared about their staff, cared about their suppliers. Um, had good relationships with their landlord if they were lucky mm-hmm. to have done have done enough to get through this situation and are now taking up opportunities to grow their brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a pleasing thing. Um, 
and I think governments, both local, state, and federal, like I think they've, I think they've done their best. Um, it's just a question of you know when does when does the money tap turn off? You know, mm-hmm. like how, how how much do we want to? How much do we need to as a society um, throw money at venues um, and different different other businesses and industries as well? You know, when when do we when do we say stop? And that's that's a that's a really hard one. Yeah, you know, it's a really hard one because that's balancing vaccination rates and, um, uh, you know, balancing zombie businesses and all this kind of stuff. So it's 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 a pretty big challenge. Yeah, that's an interesting take because obviously your consulting has changed dramatically over the last fifteen months. Um, mm. With that working from home, like we're talking about big cities, and all of a sudden, like this working from home, remote working, I don't think it's going to go away. We've opened the Pandora box, no. and working yeah. from home is is definitely like my wife is just about to go to a four day work week and she's been working right. the whole time in her law firm. Um, yeah. But definitely like that, that transiting into downtown or the CBD from the outskirts of Melbourne is definitely. And I think a lot of businesses are like, Oh shit, I don't need to have 10,000 square feet of office space. I can, I can run my business with half of that. You know, yeah. and have a couple of little yeah. cubicles where people just roll up for two days a week. How do you think that's going to affect the hospitality industry? Because I think everybody's opening up right now. Everybody's trying to keep stay positive, look to the future, that sort of thing. But like, I also don't think there's a lot of businesses that are like, oh shit, what if we don't get back the government workers? What if we don't get back the office workers who finish up work at five o'clock? Monday through to Friday and come down to my place and have a beer. Yep. Like we're, we're yep. feeling in Victoria. We're definitely feeling it in, in my hometown. Um, we don't have any government workers back at work because the government, provincial government has still mandated to keep working from home. And it, it's definitely right. our happy hour is definitely uh, our happy hour is definitely softer than it used to be. And so mm. how, what, what's your, what's your, what's your take on that? when it comes to talking to clients who think that everything's going to go, like we keep talking about the new normal and stuff, everything's going to go back to normal, but it probably won't. Correct. So, I mean, the most, the most positive people and positive reports are saying 2024, right? That's That's a lot. That's that's, a lot of, that's that's a lot of capital in the bank. That's a lot of capital in the bank to, to wear it out. Correct. Um, uh, you know, because depending on your relationship with your landlord, like, yeah. are you are you working on percentage rent now? Like, some of the new deals that are coming through that I've seen, especially for CBD venues, are like landlords are saying, "We want this particular brand. We want brand X. That's really mm-hmm. important to our offering as having ten tenancies in this mix. We'll do percentage rent and we'll do fit out. Right? Mm-hmm. You need to you need to have a really good brand offering in order to get those kind of deals." If you're an existing site within inside the city, you need to think about how you can you can utilize your space um, more than what you're currently using it. Um, cafes are a classic example. I've I've always been so surprised, Sean, in the industry that cafes uh, in the CBD trade from Monday to Friday from seven till four. Mm-hmm. That's a really short window to make money. Um, so I think city venues should be looking at how they can um, potentially sublease um, their space if they can do different offerings, treat it like a dark kitchen at night time, do a kind of dip up on the weekends, like use that space more effectively if they can. I know that's a constraint for things like, you know, the cafes, but restaurants can definitely do that um, because we're seeing dark kitchens 
you know, come into Australia and, and facilities pop up. And, you know, one of the things which is said to them is like, you, you shouldn't do one venue out of this. You should be looking mm-hmm. at doing anywhere between two to two to eight different offerings um, as part of that. So I think, I think the CBD market needs to think very, very similar to that. Um, and also I think the blend of technology into their venues as well, rather than humans, um, will, will obviously be a, a benefit there, even in a, Maybe a cheaper labor market than than North America. Um, I know we I know we want to talk about that, and I know probably most of your listeners and watchers are North American and probably going, mm-hmm. you know, labor is not cheap in North America, Sean. But like um, <laughs> but in comparison to Australia, it is. So yeah. I think um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of challenges. But if you're if you're, I think the end thing is if you're doing the same thing as what you were doing in the end of 2019 as what you're doing now, and thinking you're going to get the same result like you're silly like mm-hmm. you need to think about how you can better utilize your space um and do different kind of offerings in order to keep your turnover high I, I find the dark kitchens and the ghost kitchens very interesting because like i'm i'm sure you do the same thing i do a lot of um i listen to a lot of groups and clubhouse and stuff like that and yes. It blows my mind the amount of chefs that four years ago were demonizing ghost kitchens and dark kitchens going, this is going to be the end of end of restaurants, end of restaurants. Yes. And then COVID, yes. like, COVID hits and it's like all of a sudden they have a, a whole they have a whole lineup of ghost kitchens all dotted around the, the city and like now ghost kitchens are the next evolution of restaurants. I'm like, come on, man. This is the same sort of conversations we have about food trucks and all this sort of stuff. Like yeah. you're always so yeah. scared of something that's new. It's like something that's bright and light and it's like, mm, I don't like it because it's, it's too new and I don't understand it at all. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's just humans not liking change, right? So I think <laughs> that's, that's never going to stop short of it. Um, and, that, and you know that's what we're seeing the challenge of the tech and and that kind of stuff from from certain parts of the industry as well not wanting to do QR code menus and order at table and all that kind of stuff because it takes away from my guest experience. Well, um, you know if I'm getting a guest in, I'm gonna I'm gonna work as hard as I possibly can with a blend of tech and a blend of great experience in order to make sure they come mm-hmm. back. And I think that can that can change and evolve as we go. And I think the more that you're in a customer's um, front of you in order to in order to get a sale and get a get an experience out of them is only a positive thing so you know things like retail products are going to become very very normal from restaurants and different venues which is really great like i'm i I do a lot of sessions with a lot of clients and a lot of stuff about social media and it's just crazy the the lack of understanding of social media and how it can impact your followers and impact your bottom line is just absolutely mental like I started talking about TikTok and people's faces just glaze over and just like, what are you talking about TikTok? I'm like, trust me, it's going to be the, it's the next big thing. But we did talk yeah. about, uh, we did talk about this already. Labor shortages and wages in Australia. Um, I know that I talked to a friend of mine who runs a number of bars and restaurants in Melbourne and Sydney. And he said that a lot of mm. um, uh, immigrant visa workers, Italians, British, that sort of thing, at the start of COVID were pretty much like sent home, like ostracized from Australia. Yeah. It's like, Go back to your own country, which for a lot of, especially in the cocktail sphere, is actually a substantial amount of the industry. Like a lot of sommeliers, a lot of like high end servers and maitre d's, cocktail bartenders, the whole shebang. And now, yes, we haven't. Uh, I don't think we haven't not necessarily invested enough in our young young bartenders and our young industry people. But how's labor shortage affecting you? Because I've heard pretty bad horror stories, which I think everybody's got though. Yeah, I think. It's quite interesting because when 
because I was working as an operations manager for a salad brand before the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all the staff let go. I let myself go. Um, the brand sort of continued on in a different form. And, I, and then I sort of thought to myself, well, do I want to go back to running to running one brand again? Um, and I didn't, right? And I think I think a lot of people have thought the same way. So I think you've got a lot of people who maybe weren't, even though I could have been looked after if I wanted to stay along, like who maybe weren't looked after, who left the industry and then did something else. And then you've got a foreign workforce here in Australia, which is no different to what's happening in North America, mm-hmm. which is anywhere between sort of 10 to 20, depending on your venue, could be upwards of 70% of your staff base, could be international people. Um, and yeah, so we've got a massive challenge for chefs. Um, we've got a massive challenge for uh, baristas, venue managers. Mm-hmm. Some, of the, some of the places which are looking for venue managers now are the best venues in Victoria and mm-hmm. in, in Melbourne. And I'm just amazed because those kind of opportunities would have never come up. No. And, you know, looking, looking on employment sites, they're up there for weeks. They're up there for weeks. And I'm, it's just, um, you know, it's scary. So I think, I think you know, this, especially the Melbourne CBD market, like we've got roughly probably somewhere between uh, probably 15% of most venues would have um, international students, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, foreign um, foreign students and education is a big driver for um, economic growth in, in this state. And, um, and that's been a challenge because all of them have been, have, were sent back home and then, mm-hmm. and then you know, uh, slowly starting to come back, really super slowly. So we're, we're challenged with that. And then obviously a lot of people who are on visas and not permanent residency in Australia were sent home. So the thing and, and the way that Australia has decided to um, make sure they do okay, the pandemic is shut its borders, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, really hard to get into this country right now. Um, it was already really hard um, before the pandemic. Now it's really hard. Um, so... I, I think you sort of have to think about your business and go, well, okay, if 2024 is where we're thinking that is a positive, could be some change, could be some, you know, full-scale border opening up, um, vaccination rates super high, everyone feels comfortable, you know, everyone is fine being shoulder-to-shoulder in a restaurant or a bar. Um, that's when your employment's going to get better, right? So. Mm-hmm. That, that's a long time, as we said before. So I think that that blend of um, looking at your business, seeing what kind of people you do need, how you can use technology or um, Maison Plus happening off-site or different kind of products in order to make your product range, shortening your menu so you don't have to have as many ingredients. Like Those kind of things need to be part of what you should have thought of last year and what you mm-hmm. need to be thinking of right this second in order to continue your brand. Yeah, it was crazy. A lot of people were blown away because I, I advertised for a bartender to work at Clive's with me personally yep. uh, for right. three weeks. For three weeks. And okay. before the pandemic, I mm-hmm. like would have had someone apply. Like I would have picked someone half an hour before I even listed it. Like I would have I, <laughs> I, I, I would have texted someone and said, hey, you want to come work for me? And they're like, yep, done. Do I'm not sure if it is the same in Australia because like the minimum wage in Australia for hospitality workers and you and we were saying offline um, seven different classifications of labor, which is something that people don't really understand. Like I, I talk about it like the good old days. <laughs> um, like you work a, fr- you work a Friday shift, 
you work a Friday shift and then you work a Friday shift and then by Saturday at, at Friday night at midnight, you go into penalty rates from sat, like midnight Friday to Saturday. And I used to work till five thirty in the morning. Um, yep. And then same thing, Saturday, Saturday midnight into Sunday rates. And a lot of places don't, a smaller places don't even open on Sundays just because the rates are so high. Um, sure. We don't have tipping culture in Australia. It's not a big thing, not a thing at all. Yeah. I remember taking my little, getting my little scotch, my little scotch tube with like money in the bottom of it. And it's usually like maybe, maybe 60 bucks for the week. Um, back in right. 2004, <laughs> like you have some walk around money. <laughs> so what, what do you think the hurdles are in the industry when we don't, you don't have to keep a culture, you are getting paid a relative living wage for where you, where you are and stuff. What are, what are the hurdles? Cause I think the hurdles are similar, but different to North America, to Australia. What are the hurdles getting like these 18, 19 year old kids to come in and, work in the hospitality industry and, and turn into a career like a lot of us did? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of us, Sean, um, like when you would have started, and I would have started sort of the mid to late 90s, um, I'm guessing. Um, it was a really hard time. Like it was a really hard time, right? Like you, you – you love what you did. There's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of, um, you know, I came up as an Tox- apprentice. Toxicity, like there's some, yeah. There's some toxicity. There's some hazing, right? Like there's some things that happened. And you, and as a as a dude, like you get through and you sort of, you know, that, that's your armour to get through, right? And I think what we're seeing now is a lot of people who, you know, are starting out their career at 16, 17, 18 as well don't want to put up with that. So I think mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that evolution and change. Like for for such a conversation about mental health to be happening now, which should have happened a long time ago. Like we'd never even never even talked about that when I started my career. Like mm-hmm. it was like you know just harden up. Like you know what's, yeah. what's wrong Have with a shot, you? Just work more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just work more. So um, yeah, so I think that's that's a challenge. You know, the the hospitality industry is a career or even as a part-time casual role, like isn't as exciting anymore because we need to look at, into ourselves as an industry and say, okay, well, what do we stand for? Like, how do we want mm-hmm. to, um, how do we want to come to work every day? Like, um, and that goes for how people treat people in hospitality too. Like some of the, some of the ways I've been talked to and treated and things that have happened to me from customers um, or other staff, but mainly from customers, has been abhorrent if you look back and think about it. You know, the, we, so we need to, so that's also a thing we need to think about as well. Like how much, how much do we want to put our staff at risk in certain positions and, and certain roles in the industry? So I think, um, I think it's going to be a challenge for, for a while. What I'm, what I'm seeing coming out of the pandemic, Sean, is that the brands that really looked after their team during last year who um, paid them, as much as they could, who kept mm. ships going, shifts going for them, who fed them, who fed their families, mm-hmm. um, are not telling me they've got staff problems, right? So if you were lucky enough to do that, then you, you've got opportunity right now. If you weren't lucky mm. enough to have that situation, because that's a cash flow thing, um, you need to really think about what you're offering someone as a staff member to come in on board, um, paying them appropriately and correctly, um, making sure they've got a safe place to work, 
um, making sure there's not a toxic culture, um, and making sure they've got someone to go for help if they do have mental challenges, right? And th and that's just going to be a consistent thing. Like that's not all of a sudden we're not going to get to 2024, or and everyone's going to have not have mental health issues, right? It's just mm -hmm. it's going to be continuous in the, in the kind of environment that we now live in, which doesn't doesn't stop information coming happening all the time and people being able to connect with each other as much as they want. That has challenges on the back end. So I think um, I think we also need better training pathways. And mm -hmm. and I think what we've seen here in Australia is is you know the government the government sort of institutions of like TAFE and apprenticeships and that kind of stuff maybe not be as good as they were in the nineties. And that's and that's not me looking at the looking looking when I started my career with rose coloured glasses, that is from talking with a lot of different people about how they were trained in the last fifteen to twenty years. And and mm -hmm. and how it's you know dropped off and and money hasn't been spent and um and maybe the training hasn't been as appropriate as it should. Um and I, so I think we need to look back and think about okay, well when the industry was coming through and when we saw a lot of great um a lot of great people experiences happening, a lot of good training happening, like how was that delivered? And I think hotels and hotel hotel restaurants um, have a big part to play in that, um, and and I don't think they've had the ability to do that for the last period of time. Um, I think they've been demonised a bit, and and I definitely think we could go back to that four-year apprenticeship for a chef or a baker or mm -hmm. something like that, and, and making sure we have structured training because one of the reasons that people stay in the hospitality industry, I'm not sure about yourself, Sean, but one of the reasons that I came into it was structure and consistency, mm -hmm. and. And even though I didn't realize it at that point, that is what kept me in a career was structure, consistency, mm -hmm. and knowing that I was valued what I was doing. And um, so I think that's that's really important moving through. Like, let's value our people even more than we have before. Let's provide great training pathways. Let's listen to them rather than talk at them. Let's mm -hmm. let's try and work things out together and, and, and pay them appropriately and all those good things that we should have been doing anyway. Yeah, I've been I've been talking about that a lot lately. I um with HR and stuff because our industry is horrible with HR. Like yeah. in, in independent restaurants outside the franchises where there's a head office and a HR manager or something like that. Our industry as a whole is freaking horrible with HR. And I, I keep talking to people in the industry here that can't get stuff. I'm like, have you got a pro proper job description? Have you got a fully laid out two page job description for every job in your place? Do you post that job description as a job ad? Do you have like a resume like a resume screenshot an interview screenshot do you sit down with the person and tell them you're the bartender these are the these are your responsibilities and your rights and so on and so forth and have them sign it when they do their their average wage and stuff like that and they're like no yeah. like we just sort of on our on board is like grab a coffee sit down so you're gonna be bartending sweet awesome okay off you go and then wonder why wow. in a month they're all burnt they're all burnt out and that's the the nature of the beast and yeah, yeah. i i think I think we've missed the opportunity during pandemic and I'd love you to jump on on this one, but I don't think we were transparent enough as an industry. Like you, you heard certain stories of like, Oh, it's been really hard. It's been really hard to run restaurants during the pandemic and all this sort of stuff, but really down to the root of all things. I don't think as an industry operators and owners and managers were truly honest with themselves about how hard the industry is, not just in the pandemic in general and yeah. connecting with the, the guests. Cause you would mention about, <laughs> the way guests treat you at times, but like really that those sort of stories educate the guests, like 
talking about doing an 18 hour day because you had, it, like a Saturday felt fell on an inventory day, like July yeah. 1st this year, <laughs> like July, July 1st for us was Canada day. So I did inventory yeah. in the morning and then worked straight through till midnight. And so mm-hmm. I did 15 hours and I'm like, that's, but that's yeah. the nature of the beast. You're a manager, you do inventory and then you get into service. Um, and I yep. don't think we were really raw enough. I think there's a few stories here and there, but we weren't raw enough to really show the general public just how mentally breaking this industry is. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I think that's why, that's why we're finding it such a challenge to, um, to increase menu prices mm-hmm. is, is because we're not, we're not talking about, we're not talking about the challenge that it is. We're not, you know, we don't want to bother anyone with saying that we've done a 20 hour day. Like me being an ex baker, Sean, you know, Easter mm. and Christmas, a fun time oh, yeah. for everyone else. Start a baker, right? Like, especially especially Easter with hot cross buns. Like, yeah. the 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 twenty hours a day that I was doing around Easter um, were not fun, and and so when someone complains to you because the price of a six pack of hot cross buns was was five dollars when they can go to the supermarket for 350 was was not a fun conversation to have right so i think <laughs> i think um i think we need to become better storytellers i think mm-hmm. i think the industry is doing better at that um you know they're where you know both you and i are getting you know are really fortunate to have really good guests that come onto our show um and and talk about their experiences and i think that's helping I think that's slowly mm-hmm. helping uh, because in order for people to be paid better in the industry, menu prices have to increase um, mm-hmm. in order to supplement that, right? So, I, but as part of that increase in price, people need to under customers need to understand why it's increasing, um, mm-hmm. whether that be because we pay our staff correctly on a Sunday or a, or a public holiday, which are loadings here for us, uh, where we pay where we pay staff exceptionally more than a normal than a normal shift. Um, or whether it be that we've decided as a brand to, you know, use organic or use free range, which obviously costs more in the supply chain. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as you can get from a supermarket. Um, and especially as an independent restaurant, it's like you're not going to get the economies of scale from a supply chain that, that someone like, you know, McDonald's or Burger King or Applebee's or whoever else is going to, or Cobb's bread is going to get, right? It's not, it's not the same. So, um, so I think storytelling is a really big part and being open with your customers about why things are costing more because, you know, top line revenue fixes everything. Mm-hmm. And if we can if we can make sure we increase our sales, then we can do everything else underneath appropriately. We can pay our suppliers on time. We can, we can pay our staff what they should be paid. Um, we can pay our landlord on time. And all of a sudden, a lot of the stresses and a lot of the mental challenges go away. Um, so... If you think about your business in a holistic way, I think that that really helps a lot with actually running your business day to day. Well, we're both big Gary V fans. I, I, I googled yeah. you, and one of the one of the big pitches was you actually getting a fucking selfie with Gary V, which I fucking hate you yeah. for, by the way. I fucking <laughs> hate you for that. You, I got, I, you got, st- I got invited to his Empathy Wines event. You that fucking suck. You fucking <laughs> suck. I'm fucking. I'm gutted. I'm gutted right now. Um, no, okay. but, but, his, but his big thing, 
his his big thing is document over create. His big thing is document yeah. over create. I don't think I think I I do documentation more than anything. I don't have any pretty like Photoshop pictures of me from a photographer on my wall or anything like that. It's literally like if I have a rough day, you get a photo like of me with a freaking bags under my eyes and working fifty five hours a week behind the lounge. Um, but so yeah. we we haven't we have mentioned like labor like the cost of labor in in Australia. Can you tell everybody that's listening, because I've got, as you said, like a lot of North American listeners, listeners, how much is a starting wage hourly in Australia for all my operators that are listening? What are we starting at people at? Sure. You might want to do some calculations here, Sean, because I didn't do the Canadian calculation. But in Australian dollars, if you if you start, so we have like, um, I'm not sure if you have the same thing, but casual part-time and full-time rates, mm-hmm. right? We don't. So, it's the same, same across the board. Right. Oh, okay, right. So casual, casual basically means that you're um, you you work whenever a um, whenever an employee employer says you should work. So there's no guarantee, there's no guaranteed work with the casual. With the part time, you're guaranteed between fifteen hours or twenty hours a week, um, and they're more like full time rates. Um, so it depends on the award. If you're working, you know, between fifteen or twenty hours a week is a bare minimum, and then full time is obviously thirty eight hours a week. So if, if I'm a casual, which means that I'm entitled to um, more loadings because I don't have a continuation of work, mm-hmm. I don't have to be on a roster on a particular week. If I'm a barista, I'm probably earning Monday to Friday, bare minimum $21 an hour. If I'm working a Saturday, you can add a 25% loading to that. If I'm working a Sunday, you can add a 50% loading to that base rate. And if I'm working a normal public holiday, <laughs> it's double time. Mm-hmm. And if you're working Good Friday or um, Christmas Day, then it's triple time. So wow. if I'm, yeah, right. So there's like the sacred days. So if I, so let's say you're working a public holiday Monday here in Australia, like Queen's birthday or something like that, and you're standing behind a, co- a coffee machine. Mm-hmm. You're probably, and you're casual. You're probably earning at least forty-two to forty-four dollars an hour. Wow! Before tax, what, right? For part for part time and full time, does the hourly go up with the same loading? No, uh, not not really. With the part time, it will it will go up with the same loading, but yeah. the rate will be slightly less. So the rate mm. will be around three dollars three dollars less an hour if. If you're full time, there's like a base minimum full time rate, which will be um, again probably around the twenty, twenty four, twenty five dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. But you won't get, but you won't get the loadings. Mm. But what you, but what you might have in your contract is that you won't, you'll work maybe every Saturday, but you won't work every Sunday. Mm. And if you work a public holiday, you won't get, um, you'll get your normal rate of pay but you'll also get an extra day off in lieu, right? Yeah. So it's pretty much like getting double time. It's just done in a different way, Yeah. Um, which a lot of people like. Um, yeah, and that's basically how it works. So that, and then obviously um, work cover, which I'd imagine you would have here, which mm-hmm. is around 2%, 2.5% on most people's wage loadings. 
Um, and then superannuation is the other thing. Superannuation. That we, well. we, we don't have retirement or anything like that. Superannuation is something very oh, cool okay. that Australia does. And then, of okay. course, Medicare, yeah. Medicare and all that sort of stuff is just mental as well. We don't have we don't really have that in, in Canada too. We have socialist Medi- Medicare, but it's still right. very weirdly paid. Um, wow. Yeah. So for everybody listening, like – if you're telling us that you you can't afford the new fifteen twenty, we should really we should really be talking about your business plan and your break even points. <laughs> um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, sir, because I know you're a very busy man. But um, let's blue sky the next six or twelve months in your world. Um, how are you feeling for? Mm-hmm. Do you think QSRs are going to bounce like your little your little niche of the industry? QSRs and those sort of things are going to bounce back a little bit quicker than the more fine dining, the more cocktail bar style venues. Um, how is how is your world going to look like for the next six to twelve months? Uh, great question. Um, I'm yeah. So I think the outer suburban market is gonna is gonna increase, and that's gonna mm-hmm. be a continue uh, continuing trend. Um, I think dark kitchens, delivery kitchens are gonna continue to grow. So you need to have a delivery concept which is economic for you in order to make sure that you can make money in that space. Um, I think bars. I don't think bars are in trouble. I think I did think bars were in trouble twelve months ago. I don't think they are. As long as they've got a really decent experience, a great offering like you would have mm-hmm. at Clive, Sean, um, uh, I think a lot, and and fine dining very much the same. Um, I think what I'm seeing is obviously people can't travel very much here in Australia, like we can't go overseas and, and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff is pretty hard. So they're spending their money on on high end, right? Mm-hmm. So that means they'll, they're more likely to go out to a fine dining restaurant and spend two hundred dollars ahead or three hundred dollars mm-hmm. ahead on a night out because they can't go to Bali, right? Yeah. So that's that's what that what that's what we're seeing a lot. I and and celebrations around that. So I think I think people will eat out at fine dining premium premium um, premium fast casual dining restaurants less. But I think when they go they will spend more. Yeah. Um so it's, it's a lot exper- more it's exper- yeah experience driven like what's the place yeah. that has the best ambience the best service the best experience best 100%. everything because it's gone back yeah. to it goes back to 20 years ago when we started like dining out even 20 years ago 25 years ago was a luxury still and so yeah. you'd go you'd go out once a week to your place mm-hmm. and have your meal mm-hmm. and your bottle of wine um yeah. and over the last 25 years obviously with liquid liquid uh disposable income and stuff like that people go out more but back in the day yeah. like it was what like you and the wife would go to that one venue on a Friday night and you'd have your date night out. And I think that's going to return. That's going to return a little bit. And the, the, I do agree with the expenditure per head is going to definitely go up. Yeah. And I I think that, so that high end of town, Sean, the bars, the really great bars, and I'm sure you're doing this and, and the, and the fine dining restaurants, like the collaboration between artists and music Mm -hmm. um, and, and experience um, is going to be really, really important. I think, a lot of those venues are near experiential things like museums or like, you know, movies and all that kind of stuff. I think there's going to be some element where those things will need to be combined in order to create a better experience in a hospitality venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think QSRs are going from strength to strength. Um, the brands that stand for something that have a good, a good differentiator are going really strongly at the moment. So that's great. Um, the brands that um, the brands that aren't are probably being shown out during this crisis and probably going to be gobbled up by the ones that are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I did, I think probably the probably the um, venues I worry about the most are the are the CBD downtown uh, down downtown um, coffee bars. 
Mm-hmm. If 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 they don't think about what their offering is going to be um, over the next twelve months, like I think they're in real trouble. Um, but otherwise, I think I think things are doing really well. Um, I think drive through is really important. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things changing in the industry, which I think needed to be changed. But the challenge is the moment that there's so much change, mm-hmm. um, and so many ways to sell to a customer at the moment that it's a real it's a real confliction. Like, what do you mm-hmm. what do you concentrate on first? Um, well, yeah, and, like and sometimes. Sometimes too many things means you won't do anything, right? Yeah. yeah. And delivery and stuff has changed. Like I had restaurants that weren't doing any delivery during the lockdowns. I'm like, you guys are idiots. Your brand is stalled. Like your brand is stalled. Oh, well, our brand doesn't fit for takeout. I'm like, if a linear in Chicago, a Michelin star fucking restaurant can do takeout, (laughs) guess what? Your pizza joint, your your pizza restaurant can fucking do takeout. Like just do a menu of pizza and pasta for crying out loud. Like bang it out. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. I know it's first thing in the morning there, so I'm sure you've got a a stacked load today to get get through it. It's the end of my – it's my Monday night off, so I'm ready to wind down. But, man, this was a – honestly a fantastic chat i really appreciate your time thank you so yeah, much likewise. cool thanks sean always a pleasure thanks man i'll chat to you real soon cheers buddy thanks buddy bye thanks for listening pose shifters i well, hope you enjoyed that episode i really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there uh, make sure you like subscribe comment everything on all the platforms just hit it up and i'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have i'll see you next week guys bye